So, are you DTFX? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome into week 10 for Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football. The introduction lied to you. Dustin Lunt is not with us this week. He is enjoying some much needed R&R. Rest and relaxation. But that's okay because I like to think that I have some pretty good info to relay to you this week. We are talking pivots, pivots, players for week 10 and beyond that are disappointing you, that are injured, that are dealing with terribly irrational coaching, poor usage, or are just underperforming. We've got a list of guys that you're going to want to pivot away from. And then more importantly, the guys that you're going to want to pivot to as we enter what is nearing the playoff stretch for fantasy football. It's a little bit nuts that that's where we're at right now. Uh, I would like a do-over, personally. I would like to go back to week one and try this thing again. But sadly... We don't get that as an option. So we must persevere uh, through the thick uh, and most recently the thin. But before we get into that, or before I get into that, I'm going to say we so much because I'm so used to having Dustin here. But uh, before I get into that, of course, we have some housekeeping that we need to do. And uh, what I'm drinking this, this fine evening, it's a blueberry Blondale. Blueberry Blonde, I said that without fault, out of the gate, proud of myself for that, from Delta Beer Lab here in Madison, Wisconsin. The wife works there. She brings home some tasty brews from time to time. This is one of the tastiest that they have. If you're a fruit beer connoisseur, then you need to get your hands on this stuff because it is pretty glorious. Uh, But before I allow myself to enjoy that I'm actually going to uh, be drinking something else because even though Dustin is not here this week, there is a beer bet, or in my case, a whiskey bet that still needs to be paid out. And so I'm not going to use this as an opportunity, you know, just because he's not here to bail on this. It's not what I do. I have too much integrity to recap last week's bet, you know, before the actual official bet, the bet that we almost made was based on uh, Dustin's start of the week. We almost went Justin Fields versus Tua Tagovailoa. And man, I wish we had, because that's one I would have won. Dustin denoted he would have taken Tua over Justin Fields, despite Fields being his excellent start of the week. Uh, unfortunately, no, I, uh, I I bailed on that. And I said, let's do the Lions running back room versus the Packers running back room. And it was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. Not just for fantasy, but the game itself. Not wonderful. Not a great time uh, to be a Packer fan right now. And, and I know we have it coming. So I, I, I know I don't have any room to talk. I know that any non-Packers fan 
is just agitated anytime that Packers fans, uh, you know, whine about anything. And I get it because we've been good for a long time and this is our comeuppance. I get it. It doesn't make it easier, uh, but that game was atrocious on basically every aspect of it. And the backfields kind of, uh, you know, bore that out. Jamal Williams had the biggest day of anybody in either backfield. And because of that, the Lions collectively put up 18.1 fantasy points to the Packers' lowly 12.9 fantasy points. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel real that Aaron Jones would have a week with single-digit fantasy points after they lost basically every receiver possible. They were down Randall Cobb and have been for a bit. They were down... Uh, Romeo Dobbs almost right out of the gate. They were down Christian Watson almost right out of the gate. And yet Aaron Jones himself, single digits. He actually himself got injured a little bit later on in the game. That certainly was part of the reason for this. But if you watch the game, he wasn't doing much when he was out there, sadly. So all of that's to say that Dustin did win. And so now he has this recorded in perpetuity that I have acknowledged Dustin Lunt is a excellent fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Cheers to him. Yowza. One of these days I'm going to stop doing this really bad whiskey as that shot. But it's not today. It's not today. So before we get into the main show, let's do my favorite, your favorite, hopefully, the drunk trade of the week. Drunk, 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 trade of the week. This one does come into us from Twitter, which thank God, thank you guys for submitting these through Twitter. Uh, we've had to dig through Reddit for quite some time to find some gems to this. Reddit, for whatever reason, much more willing to uh, to offer their terrible drunken trades to us. But this one comes from Jay Stern 3 on Twitter. And the trade is this. He received one 2024 first round pick, one 2025 first round pick, one 2024 second round pick, one 2025 second round pick, one 2024 third round pick, and one 2025 third round picks. That is, if you're keeping track and not mathematically inclined, that's two first round picks, two second round picks, two third round picks in this dynasty super flex 12 team league and uh, sent away Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams, Ramondre Stevenson and Cade Otten tight end for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So obviously, obviously, this is a case where somebody's rebuilding and somebody's not. Somebody's a contender. And uh, they wanted the pieces. It didn't matter how injured those pieces are in Mike Williams, for example. Uh, they they wanted these guys uh, enough to give up all of that draft capital. And I, I got to say, the biggest piece in Dynasty right now is Ramondre Stevenson. Out of all those four players, it's Ramondre Stevenson running back for the Patriots. Which, by the way, coming into the season... Never thought that I'd be louding a Patriots running back, but Stevenson has looked amazing. He has a lot of value right now. I mean, I think 
in a dynasty league, he himself, you could see him going for a first round pick plus. So if we cancel that out, now we've got Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams, and K. Dotton, rookie tight end. Uh, yeah, I think, and you guys might disagree out there. Listeners might disagree, but I really think that getting all of those draft picks for essentially, to me, one really great player, and then Tyler Lockett, who is very solid, and the hope and potential of Mike Williams, I think is great. K. Dotton, I mean, it's it's a bit of a unknown entity there. I get the appeal, a tight end with the Bucks playing with Tom Brady for the time being. I understand it, and K. Dotton's been fine, uh, and and he could be he could be good going forward. But uh, I think just even for those three big pieces, I actually think this is a steal. So a little bit of context here that I really want to share because this is fun. Uh, Jay Stern, in talking about this trade, was saying, most of my trades are made under the influence. So there's a good start. Already had a bunch of 2023 first round picks. Had four of them, in fact. So rather than go for those nearer picks, tried to push it out a little bit. Says, I'm not contending this year. Again, obviously. And I tend to get bored in Dynasty and make big moves after some late night drinking. Now, I myself have fallen down this trap, certainly. I've made some made some late night booty call trade type of things. I've done that probably after having some of this terrible whiskey that I just drank to pay off that that beer bet, quote unquote. Uh, so, so I feel you, Jay Stern. Now, I don't typically have the success that Jay Stern did here. And maybe they're just showing, you know, the highlight is one that that actually looks good. Maybe there's a bunch hidden behind the curtain that are terrible. I kind of hope so, because it would make me feel better about myself. (laughs) But I think if you can successfully get trades done like this after a good night of drinking, then I I just say kudos to you. I give you the applause because you deserve it. But I, I actually do really like this trade for you, Jay Stern. I am going to move along now into the main event here, into the main attraction. We're talking, of course, about uh, about pivots. So if you have guys that are injured right now, and everybody does, then you need to be looking at least for the short term here, how to, to get beyond that. And it's tough. In week 10, it is tough because the waiver wires are not abundant like they were, say, back in week four. There is a time where you could get some high-quality players. And that's why we always advocate, you know, burn those bench spots. Use up that fab. Do whatever you have to do early on in the season. Don't hold back because then you get to this stage and everybody saves it up for now, you know, thinking they're going to they're gonna need it here. And you don't because there's nobody out there on waivers. There's a couple of guys that I'll talk about that I'll highlight, but they're certainly not what I would call league winners. But let's say you're in a situation right now with Jonathan Taylor. You have Jonathan Taylor who you drafted either first or second overall in your league. If you got him later than that, I'd be a little bit shocked. Uh, And you probably felt amazing about it at the time when you got him at, say, the 104 or whatever. Feeling a little bit less amazing about it now because Jonathan Taylor, of course, has been injured for most games 
And even when he's been out there, he has not looked good. Uh, I heard somebody reference that Jonathan Taylor is essentially what Saquon Barkley was last year, right? People had high hopes for Saquon, again, coming off of his own injury, and it was hampering him basically the entire year. And when he did play, you got a modest output. So Jonathan Taylor in the games that he uh, has played has cracked 100 yards just once. You know, he's got one lone touchdown on the year. It's it's been it's been tough. They brought in the Colts did. So Frank Reich is out. Uh, Frank Reich is out of the organization. This comes just a couple of weeks after it was decided that Matt Ryan should be benched in favor of quarterback Sam Ellinger, who's been just all kinds of awful. It's so bad. That Michael Pittman, who was like a top 15 guy basically prior to that changeover, has almost become unusable. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. But and anyways, Frank Reich's out. They've replaced him with interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Now, Jeff S- Saturday, if you don't know, has coached in high school. And that's it. <laughs> he has not been in the NFL in any sort of coaching capacity. Former player course, with the Colts, also with the Packers, I should note. But this does give you maybe some hope that, hey, it's it's a new era. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, when he's back and healthy, he's going to get so much work, right? We're going to highlight this player. Maybe they'll go back to Matt Ryan with Jeff Saturday there, which would be the best thing for everybody. But isn't there just as likely of a chance that Jonathan Taylor gets shut down for the majority of the rest of the year, right? What are the Colts actually playing for? Do they view themselves truly as playoff contenders? Uh, I think from the outside looking in, people are saying no. So why risk your star running back who is already dealing with injuries? Why risk him getting hurt further? I don't think you do. So there's a likelihood that Jonathan Taylor plays maybe a couple of games the rest of the year. And maybe he's okay in those games, but I would be looking to trade him. So in redraft and only in redraft, I would be looking to trade away Jonathan Taylor for his namesake and for that draft capital and for the hope that people have of this new interim coach coming in to, as the kids say, fuck shit up and trade that hope away for somebody who's legitimately producing right now, but isn't a sexy name. And that's what's key. You're not going to be able to trade Jonathan Taylor for Alvin Kamara in redraft. You're not going to be able to do it. But you could trade him, I think, potentially for Miles Sanders, who is having a great season in his own right. And I got to apologize to Miles Sanders because, you know, he told us not to draft him for fantasy coming into this year. And I listened to him. Uh, So I'm sorry for listening to you, Miles Sanders, is how I should phrase that. But honestly, he's been nothing but steady and reliable. And I think that that's the same thing that can now be said for Antonio Gibson. I'm getting excited for Antonio Gibson now. It's now been back-to-back-to-back weeks where his usage has been incredibly steady. Brian Robinson, of course, it's a wonderful story that he came back from, you know, gunshot wounds and... Uh, took very little time off to come back, scored a touchdown in his first game back. But Brian Robinson has really started to be kind of backed off. And now J.D. McKissick is injured, 
I think this opens up a path for Antonio Gibson to be a top 12 week to week guy for the rest of the season. Uh, in the meantime, here from the chat, Tynell Forrest has a question. Pick three for this week DeAndre Hopkins, Joshua Palmer, Gabe Davis, George Pickens, or Rondale Moore. So, Tynell, are we talking PPR or standard half PPR? Uh, what are we talking about here? But I, I have some initial thoughts on this, uh, which is regardless of the scoring, you cannot sit DeAndre Hopkins. He has to be in that lineup. And Joshua Palmer is going to be mostly dependent on the health and status of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. If one or both of them are out this week, you start Josh Palmer. They, they really do trust him only when they have to. When the other options aren't there, it's not a, a case where he can be the third man on the field and get you reliable points. But if he's truly the, the only option, then it's like they have no choice. Uh, Tynell says it's PPR and also has Brandon Ayuk, which makes things a little bit interesting. Uh, George Pickens is still very hard for me to sit in any given week. George Pickens is uh, the truth, as the kids say. Do kids say that? I think they do. Uh, George Pickens really has been, though. He's become uh, a pleasant surprise. Deontay Johnson still remains technically the number one guy there. But by the end of season, if that starts to change over, I wouldn't be shocked. Gabe Davis, very sad. He has turned out to be what, unfortunately, we thought he would be coming into the season, which is incredibly boomer bust. As in, the floor is lava. And the ceiling is you jumping out of a parachute from a plane in celebration that he single-handedly won you the week. That's what you're dealing with. And so it just comes down a little bit to the matchup and how much you think Stefan Diggs is going to crush. And the answer is typically always a lot. Stefan Diggs is always going to crush. Now, they do get Minnesota this week. So Gabe Davis, I think, has a fine matchup. If you go with DeAndre Hopkins and Josh Palmer... I don't think you can also play Gabe Davis. I think you need a little bit more of a safety blanket, which for me would actually be George Pickens. I'm excited for George Pickens. This is, look, they're always going to be in a shootout. The Saints are not a great matchup necessarily, but I really do like the number two option going against the Saints. My preference would be Hopkins, Palmer, and Pickens. Again, if uh, Keenan Allen sits, Mike Williams sits, if both those guys are playing, Ayuk is, he's flirting with that lineup for me, but, you know, he's had a couple of really good weeks. You know, I take it back. I would go Ayuk. Yeah, I, I would make Ayuk, I think, my third if if Josh Palmer is not, uh, you know, benefited by Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen out. So there you go. Hope that was helpful for you, Tynell. Uh, basically, I'm saying I'm not a believer in Rondale. I also just never play two wide receivers from the same team. At the same time, unless they are, you know, your absolute top dynamo pairings. All right. So some other pivots that you might be looking forward to here. Rashad Bateman. I was so smitten with Rashad Bateman, Bateman coming into this season. He's one of my guys. He's one of my, one of my drinking buddies. In situations like this, it's not always easy to just pivot to the next receiver. So we were talking about uh, Josh Palmer there when Tynell had his question. And that makes sense, right? I'm great with that. 
not every next receiver on the depth chart is just going to absorb those targets and get that same production for fantasy's sake. And that's the case with Devin Duvernay, who we saw get completely shut down. That's the case with uh, certainly James Prochi. And nobody basically is startable. That's what I'm trying to say for the Ravens wide receiving squad. You can pivot in other directions. You can now take this as an opportunity to get Isaiah Likely, tight end there, rookie tight end, into your lineups with or without Mark Andrews being there. Even if Mark Andrews plays, you could probably start Isaiah Likely. He will get plenty of work. You could maybe use this as an opportunity to get Kenyon Drake into your RB2 position now going forward because maybe they'll rely more on that run game up until Gus Edwards comes back. This whole team is in flux, though, constantly. There's so many injuries right now. But now this is where you start looking for some upside guys. So let me transition here to talk about another injured guy who you got about four games out of. This one I think we all saw coming, though. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas out for the year with the, with the Saints. And I think this was everybody's fear. Was This is why he was going as late as he was in drafts in part, like we haven't seen him play football in two years. What does he actually look like? And when he came back, he looked great. I mean, some of us looked like downright fools forever doubting him in those two magical games that you got from him where he was just incredible. And then obviously since then, it was one meager fantasy game and then a whole bunch of will he, won't he start week to week. And now it's won't he. We know officially it's won't he. Now you can't trust Jarvis Landry on that same team. You can't pivot to Jarvis Landry because Jarvis Landry is also dealing week to week with injuries. So Chris Olave becomes a top 12 play every week. Whatever you have to do to try to trade for a Chris Olave at this point, if you find yourself with somehow an abundance of, let's say, short-term running backs, so... You are the person who has Deion Jackson because we don't know if Jonathan Taylor is really going to play. You have Kenyon Drake because we don't know if Gus Edwards is going to play. You have these people who are fill-ins in their own right, which is what we're truly talking about here anyways. You have those guys, package them with, you know, a, a slightly lower grade wide receiver to try to get to Chris Olave. And because I truly believe, and their their schedule is good, uh, Chris Olave seriously top 12 play for me every week from here on out, unless something crazy happens. Even with Andy Dalton, who I acknowledge is not the best uh, quarterback <laughs> for fantasy purposes, I certainly would prefer if they would trot out Jameis Winston again. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that. But again, even against Baltimore this week, he had six receptions for 71 yards. That's kind of his baseline. So I'm going to be ranking him there, top 12 for the rest of the season. Another old guy who's been out for a lot, and he's not officially been announced to shut down, but it almost feels like it's coming at some point, is Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen's been playing this week-to-week -week game. He came back in very briefly a couple of weeks back, tried to gut it out. It did not work. It was bad. <laughs> uh, and he immediately tweaked something. The Chargers 
training staff just needs to be evaluated, probably booted, to be honest. But Keenan Allen, I don't feel confident that we're really going to see him. Or if we do, he's not the fringe wide receiver one that I thought he could be this year. He's not going to be that guy. So again, if you can find somebody in your redraft league who goes, oh yeah, no, he's close to coming back. So let me get some Keenan Allen. Like they think that they're maybe gaming you. They say, yeah, I want Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen's going to be awesome when he comes back. Is he? Again, I don't think so. So if you can take him and pivot away now, you could turn your attention. Again, Josh Palmer, that's great. I would rather turn your attention to another old receiver, but without all the injury concerns. And it's Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen has been turning in consistent production over the last six weeks. It was a slightly rough start to the season. It looked like, oh boy, he might have hit the wall. He might have hit the age cliff. But in the last few weeks, that really hasn't been the case. And even with TJ Hawkinson getting traded there this past week, it didn't feel like Adam Thielen had any issues with workload. Like he still ended up with six targets in 67 yards. And if if he can do that with TJ Hawkinson getting quite a bit of play, surprisingly, in his first week, then I don't think you have to worry about him the rest of the way. And again, this is somebody who's barring something terrible, is going to actually be playing the rest of the season. So that's what you have to keep in mind. At this stage in the season, hope doesn't get you anything. That was That's week two stuff. You know, guys dealing with these kinds of injuries and the will they, won't they. Uh, the Ross and Rachel effect, if you will. That's for week two. You can't be relying on that right now. You need production now, and you need somebody that you can at least slot in who has a solid floor and in any given week can still score a touchdown. We haven't seen it that much this year, but uh, with the way that the overall offense has been looking in Minnesota, I would do what you could if you can trade away straight up Keenan Allen for Adam Thielen. I would do that. This one stinks. Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs was very promising for the Packers. And in, in a year that you didn't have a lot of promise, it was nice to say, look at this rookie coming in and making some plays and maybe ascending the depth chart and becoming a reliable weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And now that's been taken from us because Dobbs is going to miss four to six weeks. At that point, we don't even know if, if the Packers will be uh, in any semblance of playoff contention. Uh, contention. I would say not. I would say they will not be. Uh, I, I, you know, so I don't think there's a rush to bring back this guy. Same with Christian Watson, who did not technically suffer a concussion last week. It looked like he did, which would have been his second in a row, but he's been dealing with his own injury slate, just piling up. So that's the two promising rookies are basically going down. Now we have Sammy Watkins, who is just lost out there. He's purely lost. He, he's not, he doesn't know where the ball is coming from. He doesn't know what to do with it once he gets it, if he gets it. It's a really depressing state. And Randall Cobb is out for at least another week. There is nobody there besides Amari Rogers, Sammy Watkins, who they're going to force themselves to trot out. Alan Lazard, 
who of course is the bright spot now. And another rookie, Samare Toure. Now, if you're listening to the Ball Blast Fantasy Podcast, last week I was adamant that people pick up Samare Toure. And if they weren't comfortable playing him in their flex spot, to at least pick him up to roster him. That has now become so important. No, it's not pretty, but Samare Toure nearly had two long touchdowns this past week. Uh, one was just terribly underthrown by Aaron Rodgers and that bum thumb of his, unfortunately. If he had put an extra two, three yards of zip on it, that was an easy 50-yard touchdown. Another one was him just getting held and dragged, basically, his entire way to the end zone uh, on another play. So that nullified a would-be touchdown. And he had some really good moments where it looked like he knows what to do in this offense. Like he gets that Aaron Rodgers needs somebody who, when the play breaks down, can improvise with him a little bit can break out of the route, come back to him. So hopefully as they gel together a little bit more, because they're going to be forced to, they're literally going to be forced to. There's not many other options. Then I think Samari Torre turns into a legitimate weekly flex option for you. So his ceiling can be great. Like he's the only burner on the team. We saw the touchdown opportunities that were there. In fact, you could call it three touchdown opportunities if you include the one where he made this crazy adjustment in midair at the end of the game, basically with the the game on the line, makes this crazy adjustment, wasn't touched down, uh, gets back up, tries to make a beeline for the end zone. The defender happened to stop him and strip the ball. That wasn't great. Uh, But again, he was making plays to try and get touchdowns, and that's what you want uh, out of these guys. So. So pick him up. He should absolutely be rostered in your league. Uh, I I would personally start him over a whole bunch of people in my flex this week. Again, if you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. Uh, But pick him up anyways. Now we got Brandon Cooks. I want to talk about Brandon Cooks. The dude does not want to play for the Texans. That's very clear. Uh, As the trade deadline for the NFL approached, it seemed that he was going to be on the move. There was many suitors. And instead, the Texans said, eh, nah, we want you to not only give us a second round pick, but we want you to eat all of his massive contract. And so team said, nah, we're good. We're going to pass. And Brandon Cooks then came back and said, basically the the go-to wide receiver, weird sort of underhanded quotes that you see on Twitter, which uh, Denny Carter has famously called out time and time again. There's always that like, speak softly, but carry the big stick, kind of like weird quotes that come out. But anyways, Brandon Cooks had a slew of those where he was not so subtly railing against the Texans uh, for not trading him. So I don't know if he's going to play. He might shut himself down. He might have this injury, quote unquote, pop up where he can't play anymore. And so now what do you do if you're the Brandon Cooks person? You can't look to another Texan. So similar type of situation to Rashad Bateman and the Ravens. You can't just say, I'm going to pick up Nico Collins or I'm going to pick up Philip Dorsett or whatever. I mean, you can, if you, if you want to go waiver wire scrounging for those guys, be my guest, but I don't think that your, your option is truly on that team. I think instead you should be making an effort to go uh, get one of these guys that again, maybe not a sexy name, but somebody who uh, could could be parted with, which I think is like a Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, for whatever reason, 
hasn't been dominant. Uh, he had his own injury concerns coming back. And we assumed that when he did come back in week four, he was going to slot into the Tampa Bay offense and he was going to be amazing. And it was going to be fantasy dominance once again. We haven't really seen that. Instead, what we've seen is consistent wide receiver two level production. You know, basically that. He he is a great flex play right now, but things are only going to get better because we actually saw Tom Brady start to look a little bit more like the Tom Brady of yore this past week when they played the Rams. They get some pretty solid matchups overall, barring one against New Orleans in week 13. But Godwin has gotten double-digit targets in five of the six games that he's played in since he came back. It's not currently translating to production for fantasy as much as you want it to. When you hear double-digit targets every week, you expect them to be blowing it out of the water. You know, 30, 40 fantasy point games, and that's not happening. And that's unfortunate, but it's eventually going to start catching up with them more than it is right now. So you can get in on maybe not the ground floor, but you can get through, you can get in on the middle floor with Chris Godwin right now. And so I would be making trade offers for him left and right, whatever. And and you shouldn't have to give up that much, which is kind of the nice thing. I want to touch on uh, just a few underachievers quick before we get into uh, my starts of the week here. But so it's not always about injuries or, you know, dudes just kind of sitting out. It's sometimes just about people who have been underachieving. And right now, no bigger example of that than the Los Angeles Rams running backs. It's just so frustrating to see every every single week. go. Maybe I can actually start this guy this week. You know, Daryl Henderson, when Cam Akers uh, was basically shelved, and now he's been unshelved. But there was a time where he shelved early in their year. And you go, okay, it's Daryl Henderson time now. Man, I'm glad I drafted that guy as a backup. And then you can't really start Daryl Henderson unless you need nine points. you know. And then Daryl Henderson was battling with an ailment. And so Ronnie Rivers came in and you're like, all right, I get to smash play Ronnie Rivers. Not so much. Not so much. Because again, you're going to get the same like nine to 10 fantasy points. It's such a clutter right now. They said Cam Akers was going to be their starter again or get very involved again. We, we didn't see that last week. We didn't, see, we didn't see anything good. But what we did see, surprisingly, was another backfield that appeared to be muddled beyond use, which was the Jets. When the Jets lost Brees Hall, there was a temporary moment where we went, it's Michael Carter season. And then Michael Carter had a day to kind of relish in that before they traded for James Robinson. And then he said, oh, okay. So they're they're not going to rely on the former second round pick from last year, who looked very good by himself. They're going to bring in some help. And so James Robinson, here he comes to pilfer uh, all of the most valuable touches. Shit. Uh, and that that's not really true. So last week we saw Michael Carter do a lot with a little. I mean, he got 12 rushing attempts, 76 yards and a touchdown. That's great. The targets were not there last week. But going forward, I do expect Michael Carter to get back a little bit more to his old usage, which was getting a lot of targets. I mean, he has games where he's going to get you 7 to 10 targets, and it's not going to be every game. But this offense wants to run a lot. The Jets still do. They certainly don't trust Elijah Moore, 
who they've all but benched. Garrett Wilson is dealing with his own injury stuff now. Um, and James Robinson himself can be usable in the backfield. Um, but you can use both guys now. You can use James Robinson and Michael Carter in your flex on a week-to-week basis. So, yeah, it's a split, and there's no workhorse. And and that's a bummer for Michael Carter people. But it's much better to have two usable fantasy assets than three completely unusable fantasy assets like with the Rams. So I'd be, again, dropping Daryl Henderson. Or if you can get any sort of trade value out of these guys and redraft, package them up, try to get Michael Carter first. Uh, and then James Robinson second. Moving on to the Colts wide receivers. We touched on this with Jonathan Taylor. It's just, it's bad. If they go back to Matt Ryan, and that's still a big if, then yes, you can trust Michael Pittman. And then yes, you should hopefully still be able to trust Paris Campbell and to some extent Alec Pierce. If and only if they go back to Matt Ryan. If they don't, if they keep trotting out Sam Ellinger, they are not useless but they're getting close to it. Take this moment where they're relying on the hope of the interim coach to trade Michael Pittman and get what you can for him because his value may still be high based off of that, based on draft capital and based on the hope of the interim head coach. And then target some guys who, this would be an incredibly easy one to get done and you could get more than just him out of it, but trade for Darnell Mooney. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was not a fan of Darnell Moody because the whole offense in Chicago looked in shambles. They weren't using the quarterback in any semblance of how he should have been used. The targets weren't there for him. It was bad. Mooney, I dropped him. Like in my home league, I dropped Darnell Mooney in, I think, after week three or week four. And now I feel dumb because they finally started using Justin Fields in the way that he should be used. And it's having a good effect not just on his fantasy value, but on his receivers. And they brought in Chase Claypool over the trade deadline. And and that was great too. Chase Claypool, I think, can become pretty decent in this offense. So I'd still be okay if you wanted to go out and try to get him. Because I do think he'll have his moments. He had six targets in his first game with the Bears. He didn't make much out of it, unfortunately. But, you know, what do you expect from a guy who gets traded and then the very next week has to learn the new offense with the new quarterback and and deal with all that? But come playoff time, Chase Claypool could be really good for your team. I'd rather him plus whatever you can get on top of it. You know, you can get an upgrade at quarterback. You could get an upgrade at tight end or whatever. While trading away Michael Pittman and getting uh, somebody with maybe just as much value, if not much more. Again depending on the quarterback situation in Indy. All right. Last one before I move on to the starts. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been an underachiever in uh, ways that I didn't think possible. And I'm not going to give him the out of not having his receivers. I know Keenan Allen is amazing. I get it. And I know that losing Keenan Allen hurt. But even when Keenan Allen was there, it's not like we saw the exact same Justin Herbert we'd expected to. Right now... He is, uh, he's outside the top 12 for sure. And, and that's not going to change even with Keenan Allen coming back. His matchups, not, not amazing. Certainly not in week 10. Week 10 against San Francisco, I'm, I'm not interested. If Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both back and healthy consistently, that's great. We're too smart 
to to believe that that is necessarily going to happen or happen with, you know, any sort of assurance. So Justin Herbert still has a lot of name recognition. You can still trade him, probably even one quarterback redraft leagues. You can still trade him and you could get something plus. You could be going out. I know this sounds so gross, but bear with me. Taylor Heineke, if he's on waivers, he shouldn't be. You can add him. Uh, and if you wanted to keep Justin Herbert as a second quarterback in the case that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams come back, he starts to look a little bit more like himself. That's totally fine. Taylor Heineke has been impressive for fantasy. I mean, arguably for real life NFL, like he had an amazing comeback win this last week too with the commanders, but he has, I think a really nice floor. His ceiling is not as monstrous, but like, I think you need a, God, this is gross. A steady presence like Taylor Heineke, who you can rely on because of his rushing kind of floor that's there. You know, he's always going to have a few rushing attempts. He's always going to pick up, you know, 20, 30 yards, plus that touchdown opportunity there. He's a nice, steady presence. So pick him up. Again, I think you can keep Justin Herbert if you want. Uh, If you're into that, if you have enough bench space to do it, that's totally fine. But pick up Taylor Heineke. That's what I'm saying. As your last pivot. All right. I want to briefly touch on last week's starts that we had, uh, mostly just so I can give Dustin his flowers here because he did an amazing job. His start was Justin Fields against the Miami Dolphins. Justin Fields put up 42.7 fantasy points and became the quarterback one overall. So many, many kudos to Dustin. I'm sure we'll have to talk about this next week as well. You know, just... So he can relish it. So he can just kind of shove it in everybody's faces just because that's that's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> you know? uh, mine, I, mine was fine. I started, uh, it said Miles Sanders at Houston. He put up 15 and a half fantasy points, was the RB11. was hoping for a little bit higher than that, I'll be honest. Uh, but he certainly didn't, didn't hurt you last week. My start of the week this week is Chris Olave versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh has been downright atrocious against receivers against everything really since they lost TJ Watt it's 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 been miserable uh as Steelers fans can certainly attest to but what's been nice is that we fantasy fans now have an offense that we can just target every week and we say if we have a receiver from the team that's playing against them we now get to start them and that's what you get to do uh certainly again Michael Thomas is out. Jarvis Landry probably going to be out again. Not that it really matters. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it doesn't matter how much a defensive attention Chris Olave gets. He's still going to be massively exciting week to week. And this week, it would not shock me in the slightest if he put up a top five performance. So for DFS purposes, I'm also trying my best to get him into those lineups. But for just your redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, whatever, he must, must, must be in your lineup this week. I uh, also want to throw out Greg Dulcich. Uh, Greg Dulcich has become, he's a tight end for the Denver Broncos, uh, rookie tight end, which is crazy that he is producing so well. It's kind of like a hidden Kyle Pitts from last year, except people weren't overhyping him. But in the three games that he's played, he's been absolutely wonderful. He's only growing every single week. He's getting more targets. He's getting more snaps. He's getting more run. Uh, ended up getting 87 yards this past week on five targets. He, he's great. Cortland Sutton's kind of disappeared for the Broncos. 
it almost feels like Greg Dulcich is starting to take over some of those, some of those same types of targets. Uh, so unless you have Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Greg Dulcich has to be Zach Ertz. I'll say start Zach Ertz above him, but otherwise Dulcich has to be in your lineup. And I think that's just going forward. Like, yeah, he might have a dud game or two because all tight ends will and do, but I am comfortable with Greg Dulcich above literally basically any other name. I mean, throw your Jared Everett's, uh, your Tyler Higbee's, uh, your whoever, your, even your TJ Hawkinson's, like even with the Vikings, I'm starting Dulcich over all of them as, as well. So I uh, got two of my starts since Dustin isn't here to give his. I did text Dustin, though, ahead of time and made sure that we have a new beer bet to be able to pay off for next week. So I paid off the old one this week. And really now I'm just hoping that he gets to come back and and do his shot of fireball. So the Vikings and the Bills will be playing this week. We've had some pretty gross bets lately. So we wanted a, a shining beacon. We wanted a all-star beer bet. So we went Justin Jefferson versus Stefan Diggs. Full PPR points. Uh, Dustin wanted Justin Jefferson. I think it's the Minnesotan air that he's been breathing on this vacation of his. That's that's maybe gotten his brain a little bit. But I I love me some Stefan Diggs. Obviously, you can't go wrong with either of these guys. Uh, that's doesn't need to be said, but I said it anyways. Uh, but I'm comfortable with Stefan Diggs. So we'll see how this bears out next week. Tune in then to find out. Now, remember, as always, there is bye weeks. There are teams on bye. The Ravens, Bengals, Patriots, Jets, all going to be on bye this week. So you don't get to start your Lamar Jackson or your T. Higginses or whoever. So uh, don't put them in your lineup, as Dustin says, because they won't get you any points. All right, that is all that we have or I have for Week 10. Join us next week again. Come join us live. We love when you guys are live uh, on YouTube. It's the same time. Same place every week. And until next time, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.